When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, everybody, to episode 107 of the Talking Fires podcast with a special guest today, Adam Rosales, the former San Diego Padre. I'm Ben Fadden, your host. Adam, thanks so much for joining. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah, no problem. So for the people who might be, you know, hopping into Padres fandom or, you know, weren't, aren't diehards uh, like I am, uh, Adam played for the Padres uh, in 2016. He was one of my favorite players, hustles all the time, hustled all the time. And that definitely gained my respect and a lot of Padre diehard fans, you know, respect. Um, But before we get to that, I did want to ask, just let everyone know what you're doing now uh, with the Oakland A's um, and what made you kind of want to get into that role. Yeah, I mean, I've always loved player development. I always felt like I, I could help young players and I just love working with them. They're hungry. I mean, obviously, the professionals, they want to get to the major leagues, and I feel like I can help them get there. Um, so I interviewed with a couple teams, but the Oakland A's had a spot for me, and they asked me to be the manager. So I'm the manager right now here in the ACL. So I'm here all year round in May, so, so I get to be home with my wife and kids every night. So it's nice. I bet, yeah. Um what is uh, what what would I'd say for that job? I think not a lot of people obviously are you know paying attention to that level of the minor leagues, but are those players so those players that you're dealing with are those those are guys usually that are coming like right out of the draft? Yeah, guys right out of the draft halfway through the season, so we pick up those guys. That's like the second wave right. of players that we get. But we start off with the free agent signs from like Dominican Republic or Venezuela, all these free agents um, and guys that kind of repeat the league again, you know, guys that are still need some development before they go to a ball. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a variety and mix of different players. Now, do you have big league managing uh, aspirations sometime down the road? <laughs> That's a big role, man. Yeah. I, I mean, that's uh, obviously you guys just got my favorite manager of all time. I mean, I've been blessed with a lot of great managers, but Bob Melvin's coming to San Diego and he is outstanding. You guys will love him. Um, but yeah, I do. I do aspire to coach in the major leagues sometime um, to be at that level. And because I know, like, when you're at the major league level, winning is everything, mm-hmm. right? You have to win, right? In the minor league level, it's more, a lot of player development and skill acquisition. So 
Yeah, I love doing that. I feel like I can contribute and help give back in that sense. But eventually, yeah, I want to be at that level where winning means everything mm-hmm. um, at the at the major league level. I think that's fun. It's it's uh, exciting for sure. What can you tell us more about Bob Melvin and your relationship that you had with him as a player? Just the, his servant leadership, his communication. Um, I was always the the player that was on the fence of going to AAA to major leagues. My whole entire career, I played on and off for 11 years in the major leagues. And I was always that guy on the fence. But Bob Melvin always made me feel like I was the number three hole hitter, right? Like he made me feel like, I was a big part of the team and he would just come up to me during batting practice to let me know, Hey, we're facing CC Sabathia tomorrow. You're going to face him and you're going to be playing shortstop. So be ready. So he'd always prep me and just his communication and how much he cared about me as a person really went a long way for me. Mm -hmm. Now you talk about that preparation and kind of warning you what, the plan is for you specifically and then how he did that obviously with other players do you think that could help um let's say someone like an Eric Cosmer or some other struggling guy or I don't want to put it that way but players that just haven't I guess lived up to expectations if you will do you think that might help um you know Melvin being really that player's manager yeah I mean I think it all comes down to the respect you know and taking that pressure off of players and letting them know, like, you know how to do this. Now do it. You know, I got your back. It definitely takes a lot of pressure off players. Um, He's going to be great for guys like Hosmer, I feel like. And just like I said before, it's going to be nothing but respect on both ends. Because I know Mm -hmm. both of those guys and the way they are. Right. What do you you think of uh, Fernando and how, you know, he's totally just took the league, you know, by storm? It's great to see a young player like that and his energy that he plays with. I mean, I know a lot of my players here in the A's organization look up to a a player Mm -hmm. like that. You know, just the way he uh, brings entertainment to the game, you know, and obviously he's a great ball player too, and he gets the job done often. Um, Yeah, it's going to be neat to see how he progresses and how, like, the longevity of his career too and what he can hopefully bring to a championship team. And, you know, you just, you just never know. Mm-hmm. Now getting back to how I mentioned at the top about your hustle, um, anyone that wasn't, you know, like a diehard fan back in 2016, just go look up Adam Rosales hitting a home run and he would essentially sprint around the bases. Uh, I, I remember, you know, cause I had season tickets that year. I still do. My parents were like, why does he do that? And I'm like, I think that's the way that he was brought up. So can you expand a little bit more on how, what, you know, what made you want to do that? Yeah, I wish I had like a better story mm-hmm. and to, just to wow and shock the world why I do that. But I mean, ever since I've been about 14 years old, when I first hit a home run over the fence, the first time I hit a home run over the fence I was actually left-handed because I'm a right-handed hitter, mm-hmm. but I, was, I hit lefty. And I jogged around the bases and it felt really awkward and the ball just barely got out. So if if it hit the top of the fence, I would have been standing on first base, Uh which would have been super embarrassing. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to let that happen again. So every time I hit a home run, I'm like, I'm going to make sure I'm on second base. Heck, I'm going to be on third base no matter Mm -hmm. what. So I started sprinting around the bases when I was 14 years old. 
And then I made a promise to myself. I remember when I was young, I said, if I ever get to play in college, in pro ball, or in the major leagues, I'm going to stay true to myself and play like I played when I was 14 years old. And I always did. I always played the same way I did with that energy, with that love and passion for the game. Mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned it earlier. I think that really gained a lot of respect, at least from, I mean, hopefully every team that you played for. Um, because there are players that do have that reputation of, you know, making, you know, a lot of money and then they don't always give a hundred percent. Now I'm not, it's a long season. So I don't want to like, and I I know, you know, that it's a long season. I don't want to like bash players for not hustling, but it's one of those things that maybe you can speak to it more of not taking your position for granted. Like how many people would want to be in that spot? Right. I, you know, I think it, now that I think about it, it held me accountable, right? Because I know, like you said, the longevity of the season, 162 games. I mean, obviously I was a role player. I didn't play 162 games like a, like Tatis or anybody else plays a whole season, but it made, it defined who I was as a ball player. And if I didn't do that, if I didn't sprint onto the field and off the field, I would have hoped one of my teammates or a coach or a fan would have said, what's up? How come you're not playing as hard as you usually do? Mm-hmm. And that's why I made sure I did. Cause you almost act like someone's always watching you. You know, someone even like I used to, when I was a, when I was a young kid, I used to think, Oh, there's a scout in the stands, but there, really, there was nobody there really, you know, in, in the middle of Illinois somewhere, there's no scout there, but I would always act like somebody was watching me. And then when I got older in the major leagues, I always acted like someone like you was watching me, right? Somebody up there, a young kid is watching me and hopefully holding me accountable for playing the game the right way. Right. Yeah. Um, now moving to that 2016 season, you played with the Padres. You had Andy Green as your manager. You had Will Myers. I know you guys didn't make the postseason, uh, but can you speak to, what Will was like behind the scenes, because I know I'm really interested in this behind the scenes. There was, there's been stories about he didn't really want to take on that like leadership role, you know, being the face of the franchise and all that with the new contract, the big contract he had, what was he like behind the scenes? Was he a leader still like vocal or is it more actions? Uh, More about actions, you know, um, Will is just super chill. Like one of my favorite Like, just super chill. Like, he just, you know, he's, he, he wants to win. He wants to play the game hard, like, the best, you know, to his ability. But, yeah, he's not going to be, like, a rah-rah, like, let's go get him tonight, guys. You know, he's just super chill. And, like, the way he – his at-bats that he has and the big hits that he has, that's that's how he speaks. He lets he lets the the bat, ball, and the gloves speak for him. The way I, I want to, you know, the relationship that I had with him. But then, like, other things. He helped me out because I like to do a lot of stuff in the community. You know, when I was in San Diego, I would ask him to come help me with a clinic. And he would be there in a heartbeat. And he helped me. Right? And he likes doing stuff like that. But, like, being in, like, the big spotlight, he, he, he probably let, you know, at the time it was, like, B.J. Upton yeah. or James Shields or Andrew Kett, uh, Kashner was one of the big-time guys. And he's all right with, you know, with doing that. And it's a lot of respect to Will just to, to stay true to himself in that sense. Mm-hmm. 
Now, moving to Andy Green, uh, there's been, you know, Padre fans who maybe didn't like that move uh, when he was hired and all that. And then hiring Jace Tingler, it felt like the same move over again. Um, Now they have Bob Melvin, obviously a more experienced manager. But as for Andy, kind of like the Will question, what was he like, you know, behind the scenes? Was he that manager that went through, you know, locker by locker or was he more an office guy? Um, just what was he like? Well, see, I have a completely different relationship with Andy Green because Andy Green and I go back to 2008. My first year in AAA, him and I were teammates and actually roommates on the road. Okay. Which is pretty special. And the things, the thing I loved about Andy Green, and I still do, I actually call him up for advice a lot of, a lot of times, to be honest with you, because he is smart, he's intellectual, he's detail oriented. Um, and he's got, he's got a good demeanor. You know, he had a lot of great, he pulled me out of the hole in 2016 when I was struggling. I was sitting like a buck 80 in June and I talked with him and I turned it around just because he knew who I was, but yeah, he's more like detail oriented. Um, not many times he would do like what Bob Melvin did. He'd never like came, come up to me like during batting practice or walked around the field in batting practice. Like a little bit different approach, but obviously I have a different relationship with Andy Green and who who he is as a as a human being, as a person, and the strength that I would always draw from him. So, mm. I'm curious. This is a little bit, you know, a different question. Yeah. Behind the scenes for fans, what are what was your kind of diet like in the big leagues? What and and this is kind of, or actually, just answer that question first, and then I'll have a follow up to that. I had cheeseburgers and cheese fries. <laughs> no, tried to nachos or what? <laughs> uh, I, you know, you in the, in the big leagues, it's, you got all the different types of food you want at your fingertips. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to, you could have a grilled cheese sandwich to a nice steak and lobster dinner if you wanted it, right? But I would always kind of be like in between. I always made sure I I ate healthy. I got the right nutrients. Because obviously I was a high energy player, so I had to make sure I had the get all the calories I can get in. But I would make sure they're like they're like full calories. They weren't just empty calories like um, like a cheeseburger all the time, you know. But I would you know I would definitely indulge in a cheeseburger once in a while. But did you have In and Out? No, I'm not a big fan of In and Out. You know, no? no, I'd rather do. I don't know. It just I think it's a little hyped up. No, All right. I hope you're not sponsored by right. or... No, 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 no. I wish. No, no, no. <laughs> um, how about Will? I've seen him, you know, have Chick Fil A before games or whatever. Pick up Chick Fil A yeah, in training. What is that? Was that actually like real? Is that what he does? Will's just super simple. I'm telling you, like you talk about like a simple human being. That's Will Myers. Yeah, I, like, I mean, I simple to the finest. I mean, I've seen it. We've had like steak and lobster sometimes and he'll have like a a ham and cheese sandwich you know like that's the way he's just super simple like it's all, pretty so all the way from his diet to almost not it doesn't even look like he cares about his hair uh and then <laughs> and, and then i'll tell you what but when it comes to comp- competing and competition and seeing him work you know, like how how disciplined he is, and the when it comes to his baseball game, it's pretty special. 
you know, and the way he talks about the game, it's, he's smart, you know, he's getting smarter, like, as he, he's, there's so much room to grow for him, I feel like, from when I first started playing with him, a, a lot of growth, and the way he talks about where he came from, so it's like he's, it's like the sky's the limit for him, because yeah. the way he competes. How cool would it, I mean, I think about this, um, you know, there's stories about guys that have been, you know, long tenured guys on teams. You think Brian Zimmerman with the Nationals a few years ago. What I mean, how cool would that be for Will, do you think, to reach the mountaintop with the Padres when he's the longest tenured guy there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's amazing that he, I know he came from the Rays organization. I think it's the only other, Ray, only yeah, other organization. Kansas there. City and then Tampa. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I mean, especially nowadays, to have a tenure with any ball club, any player to do that, is special. Um, and I, I'm sure he – I know he loves the city of San Diego, you know. And yeah. What they, um, and the way they've been super supportive now. Yeah. Uh, how about, you know, in 2016 as well, you know, you mentioned Shields and Kashner, uh, but you did have Matt Kemp there as well, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. What was he kind of like behind the scenes? Uh, I think Tyson Ross, I've had him on. He was talking about how Kemp was more of, you know, kind of like a father figure a little bit, helping guys out in the cage, stuff like that, family man. What can you tell us more about Kemp? Very similar. He, he, he would like to take on that, that role and that responsibility. Um, I mean, at the same time, he kept it light, you know, on bus trips, he'd always be playing music and stuff. And you got to have that too, you know, that leadership as well to not just be so rigid. Cause obviously 2016 was a tough year for us. It was uh, right. not easy for any of us, but um, he, at the beginning, obviously he was there. He would try to keep it as light as possible. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And keep us, keep us motivated to come to the field. Yeah. In the middle of that year, you know, he was obviously traded to the Braves. A lot was made of, you know, the letter that he sent and saying that he was going to a real baseball city. I know that kind of irritated me, Padre fans. Yeah, but, that's tough to hear. Yeah. Um, but what was that like? What was his kind of reaction to being traded? Was he disappointed but happy as well? Like, what was he – do you remember what he was like? Uh, I don't. I mean, once you – once because okay. te- I was never close, you know. Right. With Matt Kemp. But um, – and once, once you get traded, it's the next time you see him is when you're playing against each other. And it's kind of yeah. like, Hey, like a little bro hug. And that's about it. But, and I kind of try to stay out of that stuff. Like who, like, yeah, I was, it was pretty disappointing to see, you know, to say that about any team, but or any, any fans, cause they're there to support you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about AJ Preller? Uh, I've asked former guys, Clayton Richard, Tyson Ross uh, about what he's like behind the scenes you know, communication wise, all that, obviously it's been well, you know, chronicled how he like never sleeps almost. He's always trying to improve the team. Uh, Did you have a big relationship of sorts, you know, with Preller? I know, I know that you've mentioned that, you know, during your career, you've been sent up and down um, and just those conversations I know can be tough, but in 2016 specifically, what was that like for you with AJ? Well, like again, like that's a tough year to talk about. 2016 right. was pretty brutal. Like, mm-hmm. was, that was a tough year. Um, actually, I knew AJ back in Texas as well. You know, when I was with the Rangers, and he, he always, you know, very professional. You know, always, um, 
I remember having a couple conversations when he came down and visited at Round Rock when I was in AAA. And I always had like a just a cordial relationship with them, but I never really knew him too well, though. But yeah. a little more quieter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, last question here. This could also frustrate some uh, diehard Padre fans if it's not the answer. Uh, that oh, boy. Well, man. What, who's, who is the favorite team that you played for? During your career, well, the San Diego Padres. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that was probably my bet, like my best comeback year. Personally, I don't like talk about myself and what I did, but that was a special year to kind of because we were struggling at the beginning of the year. We struggled basically all year round, but for me personally, I was really in dire straits. But then I turned it around after All Star break, and the fans really embraced that. I feel like I had a lot of positive responses from them. Um, so I, I did, I love playing in San Diego. My wife and I always talk about it, that if the Padres signed me back, you know, if they, but they didn't sign me back. They did. We probably would be living in San Diego right now. You know, mm-hmm. like we loved it so much that it, obviously it's a great, a great city. Yeah, definitely. Um, All right. Thank you. This has been fun. Adam Rosales here, episode 107 of the Talking Fires podcast. Hope everyone enjoyed that. Adam, thanks so much for hopping on. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Ben. No problem.